This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. Have you ever found that sometimes it took having a massive amount of pain in your life to force you to make a change? Like we know that we should be doing certain things. We're clear on what we need to do, but sometimes we just don't do what we know we need to do until we get into a place where there is no other option. We are no longer interested in making a change. We are now committed to making a change because the pain is so great. That is the purpose of today's conversation. It's to share a story of someone who on his entrepreneurial journey of starting several companies and enjoying success, found himself with an extraordinary amount of pain in his life. While he had professional success, he did it at the expense of his personal life. And it got to the point that it was no longer sustainable. And he did something. He refused to accept that to continue enjoying professional success, he would have to sacrifice his personal life. And he explored how might I thrive both professionally and personally, which is when he was introduced to the one thing. As you listen to today's episode, we want you to think about the goals that really matter to you and ask the question, am I interested in achieving these goals? Or am I committed? There is a very big difference between the two. And there's zero judgment coming from us. You, however, need to know where you fall on that spectrum between interest and commitment. Get clear on the things that you're committed to and go on the journey of applying the one thing to achieving extraordinary results in those areas. While you listen to this episode, if you find yourself wanting some guidance on your journey, head on over to theonething.com. That's with the number one in the URL, theonething.com. If you are a leader in an organization like this individual and would like to have a conversation about what it looks like for us to help you drive that level of focus and accountability, you can request a consultation and we will line up a time to connect. And if you're an individual, you can check out our Jumpstart Workshop to help you go deep on the one thing in two days virtually, or you can join our Living Your One Thing training membership. With that, let's get into this episode with Philip Stutz. Philip, when were you first introduced to The One Thing? I was introduced in April of 2021 when I met you. Okay, so I actually didn't know that that was the first time yeah. we were introduced to the concept. So Philip and I are a part of a mastermind. We're all dads who own businesses, but we want to be family men with businesses, not businessmen with families. And it's called Front Row Dads. What was going on? Take us back to what your life looked like in that moment and some of the challenges that you were struggling well, with. Well, first of all, I think it was serendipity because there's a lot of things in life that like you don't make change until the pain is too big, right? And I was, when I met you, I was in a ton of pain. And I, when I, I remember you and I had to do a breakout session just on family stuff. And I was walking through all the stuff I was going through that was preventing me from being a good father and husband with my business. And you're like, let's do a sidebar because I know I can help you. And lo and behold, you, you guys have been insanely amazing for my 
life, my family, everything. But it really started there. And the pain was that I had, I have this corporate marketing agency and we are doing really, really well for all of our clients. And internally on our operations team, my number two in command had just resigned because the, there's too much pressure to, we wanted to grow the company. We wanted to be, we want to be a hundred million dollar company one day. And she just, that's not, she'd rather have been working for a million dollar company. And so it was too much pressure. And she said, this is just isn't for me. And she had some people working for her and they also left. And it was all internal. It wasn't like it was a f- working on client teams or anything like that for my marketing agency. But I'm a horrible, horrible operator. I hate it. I hate it with all the fiber in my body. And all of a sudden, I found myself being the owner, the operator, the client manager, the business development. I was doing everything all of a sudden at once. And my book that we'll talk about in a minute just had just come out. And I was drowning. And my family was suffering. And I had to make a, I had to figure out what was going to happen. And I had to be committed to that. And I, I'm dead serious. I, I think it was divine intervention that we met because the path that we're on now is vastly, grossly different in a much more positive way. And I'm on a, a path of exponential growth. And I was lacking so many things that once we started working together that I identified and was able to work on and fix. So give us give people a history of what you have done professionally because it's not just the corporate marketing agency. Yeah. Go back, start with politics. Well, I've worked in I, I, I've worked in polit- running political campaigns, marketing campaigns for 26 years now. And we've been a part of eight presidential campaigns, three winning presidential campaigns. I've been a part of 1,433 election wins across the board from everything you can imagine. And I know how to market politicians. And I had this idea as my midlife crisis when I turned 40, which was about seven years ago. And I said, you know, I bet you the strategies that we use in politics could benefit businesses. Because the thing is, is in politics, we're the most disruptive industry in the world. Every two years, there's an election day. We either win or we're out of business forever. And you can't be successful unless you win more than you lose. And therefore, it, it totally focuses you to innovate 24-7. Always t- the difference I always say between politicians and business owners is one is vastly committed and one's vastly interested. And hmm. the committed do everything it takes to win. And the, the interested go, oh, I'm interested in this idea. Yeah, I'd love to use political strategies to help grow my bottom line. And then a shiny object chases by their, their eyeball and they go, ooh, but I'm interested in that too. And they go chase that. And then, you know, and it drives me nuts because I've gone down the rabbit hole with a lot of interested, not committed business owners. And it's another lesson I've learned in my approach to, to working with businesses. But really, when we started applying this formula that elects presidents into businesses, we've now seen exponential growth with every single business we've worked with. And so we know we have the business model in place, but why you were so helpful is, hey, we had proven this business model. We proved that we can grow clients in an, in a, in an era where there is no growth in marketing because it's constant and ever-ending change and business owners don't care about marketing and they'd rather outsource it and they have marketing agencies that take advantage of them or 
you have Facebook or Google who change the rules every five minutes and you can't keep up. And what we did was create a system that make, you know, the best metaphor is right now marketing in the world, it's like walking into a casino. The house is always going to win. The house is the big tech companies. It could be Google or Facebook or Amazon or whoever it is you're advertising with. This is the big platforms. And you walk in and you go, hey, see that limo outside? I'm going to leave in that limo at the end of the day. Like, you know, you feel like you're going to win. You're going to win so much money gambling. And you walk in there and about eight hours later, your head's tucked between your legs. You're you, you're walking out and totally depressed. You have no money. And that's how marketing is today, right? Occasionally, you get a hot hand but you're going to lose a lot more than you win. And what we've done is reverse engineer the rules so that businesses become the house and they win no matter what. I love that. I love that. We'll dive more into the marketing side and how it lines up with the one thing because there's a lot of parallels there. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is, Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. I want to go back to the family side. When you say your family life was really suffering, what did yeah. you mean? Well, imagine when if you had to jump back into your business doing 18-hour days and to launch a book at the same time. And, you know, it's kind of like, so I'm, I do, you know, I'm in, I, I have a therapist. And when I, when I talk to my therapist, you know, she's like, well, what, are you, what are you trying to do? And I'm like, yeah, I want to grow this business. And I want it to be at this level. And I want this, I want that. And she said, good, you can have that. You can have all the money in the world you want because you're committed. You are a, you know, a maniacal focus on success and, and building your businesses the right way. There's no doubt in my mind. She goes, but something's going to fall off. And what is it going to be? Well, is it going to be your wife? Is it going to be your kid? Is it going to be yourself that you have? You don't pay attention to the things that make you happy. So you can have all the success in your business you want, but there's a sacrifice for that. And you better understand it. And I went, damn, right? And I understood that fundamentally that I can't be, you know, 20 hours a day anymore. I'm 47. Like that just doesn't, it doesn't, I don't want to wake up at 77, be on, or 97, be on my deathbed and said, man, I wish I could have worked some more hours. You know, it's not going to happen. And so then once I had this understanding of how I need to rebalance my life, then all this stuff happened at work. And then everybody in my family felt that pinch. And I felt very responsible for that. And I also felt the responsibility to pick my business up and make sure it got on the right footing. Mm-hmm. And so I needed help. And that's the honest answer. I didn't have all the hands. I needed help. I needed guidance. And I always find the most success in my life comes from 
who's not hows, right? Great book, the who not how. And I needed to find a who to get me out. And, you know, you, you happened to come into my life at that time and we hit it off and, you know, it, I have a business partner and he was more skeptical because he, you know, I'm the ideas guy. He's more of an operator guy. And he's like, wait, what is this? No. And I'm like, so Jeff, you, Jeff had to, everybody can listen to this. Jeff had to do like four calls with my partner, my <laughs> skeptical partner. And finally he's like, okay. And now my partner in, in all honesty is like a biggest, bigger fan of the one thing than than I ever was. And not that I'm not, I'm a huge fan, but like he is like, he gets it, right? He gets it fundamentally. It's everything he embodies, which is how do you organize and give clarity and transparency to your teams? Because he works with our teams every day and all of our companies. And so, well, that's been super, super cool as well. But that, that when ultimately, sorry, round back into your question is that's kind of where it came from. Yeah. Was I knew I needed better balance in my life the way that we work with the one thing will absolutely not, it doesn't serve me. It serves everybody in my organization. It's transparent. People know where they stand. They know where they're going. They know what they have to achieve. They're not like those evil business owners are trying to screw me over. Like that's over with in all of our companies now. And that is so exciting to me because it's what's in my heart. My heart was to always be as generous as possible to everybody, but you don't get that benefit of the doubt from your employees. You never do. And so for us to start putting together the one thing throughout our companies has been huge for us. And I think your your angle of application is a unique one. A lot of teams, when they're trying to implement the one thing, it's about how do we get clarity on what matters for the business? Yeah. And how do I know that the actions that I'm taking are in alignment with the business's goals? Right. Right. Yours was at an even higher level where you guys have how many different companies? Well, right now we have four and we're about to add two more. (laughs) Right. So you're playing a different game, which is not just how do I run this company, but you're playing the game of how do I move from being CEO of a company to being the chairman of the board who has a group CEO and that group CEO oversees the CEOs of those individual companies. So yes. the span of control you're looking at is a bit different. What were you lacking before you and I met that now you have that's helped you? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, we didn't know what we didn't know. And I and I'm I will say this that I I have I feel like my superpower is being self-aware. So I didn't have the answers. And I knew if I was, I'm self-aware enough to know I'm going to have to go pay for that. I'm going to pay for it one way or another, Jeff. Either I'm going to pay for it, my business is going to fall apart, or I'm going to pay for it, my business is going to blow up. Either way, it's going to cost me. So what, is it an investment or is it a cost? One's a cost, one's an investment, right? So for me, it was the investment to know that I needed more clarity in, in how, to, how to run a leadership structure. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the way to describe our business is that look at it's kind of like a bicycle wheel, right? You have the center of the wheel, and then you have all these spokes coming out of it, right? So we wanted to create my partner, and I wanted to create a holding company that all the other businesses fed into. And 
the fact is, is that the hardest thing we were have to do is transition from being the CEOs of two different companies, which my partner and I are right now, to being in the holding company and managing all the companies. So that, that sounds a lot more exciting and a lot more fun for the next challenge of my life than remaining the CEO of the current company I've been working for or the company I worked for before that I'd started. And the, I started the political ad agency. I was the CEO over there. And then I handed it off to my partner that I just have been mentioning. And then I went out and created this corporate marketing agency. And now we've built that to such a level that I now... The, the, remember, the, the whole thing that brought us together was I had this number two that left me. And since then, we found another number two who is a rock star, both organizationally and culturally. And that person, you know, obviously is is going to be leading our team, is already leading our internal teams. But that's that's kind of where we're going. So I just didn't know what I, I know I needed some help. And I just didn't know what it was. And I, I read the one thing after we met. And I went, yeah, I get this. This concept speaks to me. And I know it's exactly the way that my partner wants to manage. And so we needed to do it. And I, and I think a good way to describe this for people is, at an organizational level, an organization has goals, things that they're trying to achieve. And the way that happens is you break it up into work that needs to be done. Then you look at the team that you have and say, here's the team that gets it done. The problem is most teams aren't really clear on who owns each piece of the organization's goals. And all you, you guys did here is you said, all right, we've got these various entities. They funnel up to a larger entity that holds all of them. Where are we going? What are the goals of the, of the overarching company? Based on that, what do each of these individual companies have to deliver? And then if we look at just the key leaders who are running them, what are that person's priorities? And when you create that level of clarity, like, hey, Philip, these are the two to three priorities that you should really be focusing on. Dean, these are the two to three priorities you should be focusing on. It just makes everything else easier. Yeah. Can I give you an example Please. Of what we did? And this is after working with you guys for about six months. We had our end of the year meeting. And previously, we just gave raises out arbitrarily at the end of the year. Hmm. Like, I don't know. He's good. We want to keep her. Here's some money. And instead, we tied their future. We went to them. We created a pay structure. We created sort of a scorecard. And we were transparent. And we walked through that scorecard with them and said, this is how you get this specific amount of money. If you achieve these 10 things that you've worked on and you've laid out and you said are your priorities. And then in for the year going forward, right? So we've got a very transparent pay scale now on how people can get raises, bonuses, everything. And so from now, you know, I've been lucky. A lot of people that work for me did it out of faith. Faith is not good enough in this day and age. We are in a very disruptive labor market right now. And the labor market doesn't want to work on faith. They want to work on transparency. And so we had to adapt really quickly because what I went through last year was really not about me. It was about that the labor market had completely shifted. There were, there were different needs for the people that work for you. And we weren't serving those needs. And people said, well, then I'm a free agent and go anywhere. And I quickly adjusted. We, we made so many different changes culturally. You know, we went from a culture, Jeff, of community because before the pandemic, where people got together, we had people working for us at our political agency that didn't agree with us politically. How think about that? They were running ads for politicians they hated, but they loved the team. It was all community-based. And then COVID happened. 
Well, that thing fell apart very quickly because we weren't together anymore. And so now what we've learned, you know, over the last year, this is outside of just the one thing, is that you have to serve people's purpose, Mm. not community. So what's their purpose? Why are they here? Are you serving them? So we went in and surveyed everybody, figured out what they wanted. We created all these different things to serve their purpose individually. You know, do you, oh, you want to do this kind of work? Good. Then you have to do these. This is a one thing concept, right? Then you have to achieve these three things and then you can graduate to do the what you're, we prefer to do here. And now you've got them motivated to go figure out what they want to, you know, how do they want to work with you? Yeah. And, and we did, had to put a lot of transparency in there and tell people, you want to make this kind of money? Good. This is how you can do it. You have to do one, two, three, climb the ladder and you get there. And here's how you do it. And at the end of the year, it was the most successful end of year meeting we'd ever had in eight years. Everybody, and we thought people were going to be pissed because their raises weren't that big or whatever. They weren't weren't pissed at all. They were like, oh, I get it. Thanks. And we're like, huh? Like, oh my God, they just want transparency. It was life-changing, but we never would have gotten there had we not worked and understood how that progression works, the one thing, and, and that was what was so helpful for us. You said something that I think is worth calling out. A lot of people hear the idea of the one thing in a team structure, and they immediately think, I have more than one thing. And the truth is we all have more than one mm-hmm. thing. And by no means are we here to say that you only have mm-hmm. one thing, you're only going to do one thing. It's about the one thing There are some roles that have a clear one thing, like a writer writes, a salesperson prospects. Most of us though, listening to this, we have more than one thing and it can be whatever your 20% priorities are that drive 80% of your results listed in order of priorities. So you talked about, you have to do these three things, one, two, three. And they were in order of priority. So they understood which domino they need to knock down first. Yeah, totally. Pretty simple. When we get back, we're going to talk about how Philip's approach to marketing aligns with the one thing. Welcome back. Philip, I want to transition over to the marketing side and how what you do aligns with the one thing, specifically this idea of thinking big and going small. Thinking big, having a big vision for the type of results that you want to achieve and going small by looking at the dominoes that you need to knock down and going sequentially one thing at a time. Yeah. So again, I wrote the book that came out when I met you and I was in this, I was in a funky funk, but it's called The Undefeated Marketing System, How to Grow Your Business and Build Your Audience Using the Secret Formula that Elects Presidents. And we, we really, the system has always existed, but I'm probably the first person to ever identify the system. And it happened because uh, about five years ago, a huge corporate client of ours, it was about a nine-figure company, fired us because we made a mistake. And I literally locked myself in my office and I said, what, what are we doing? How, how do we, we've got to apply these political strategies to businesses, but we got to do it in a way that works. And I'm like, what is the formula that we use in politics to elect presidents, senators, governors, and then how could we apply that to businesses? And I wrote down these five steps. And then I went, oh my God, this, yeah, this has never been sort of, articulated before. And so I'm going to go articulate it. And so I actually started, I went to all of our clients at the time and I said, we're revamping everything we do with you guys. And you're going to follow these five steps. That was pretty gutsy because that's people don't like to rock the boat on what's working or not working. And, and so we, we did, and all of a sudden all of those clients started growing. 
And then we started working with bigger clients and they all started growing. And now we've got four clients in our portfolio right now, um, a national pest control company that had their greatest month in the history of their 35-year company, a grain-free granola company that just had the greatest Black Friday in the history of their company, a 27-year-old law firm that out of New York that just had the greatest month in the history of their company, and a regional furniture chain that just had the greatest year of their 105-year company. And this, we now put this sort of, it's kind of like it's compounded, right? Year after year, we just get better at the system. But the question that kind of aligns with the one thing is we make every one of our corporate clients follow this five-step system and they can't move to the next step in the five-step system until they've actually completed each of these steps. So you have to go through each of these steps with us in order to be successful. And, and I get a lot of pushback from what we were talking about this earlier, the interested business owner, because it's it's hard work, right? I mean, getting marketing successful, successful marketing these, these days is really hard work. And so I want to work with people that are totally committed. Like they're going to, like, here's the thing, pest control companies, they're either spending money every month or they're out of business. Like they get it. They're like, oh no, what do we need to do to be innovative, right? And so that's what we do. So really the focus more than anything else is on step one. I'll kind of walk through that with you. And everybody that works with us has to undergo step one. Like you can't skip it with me. And I've had Fortune 200 companies go, nah, we don't need any of that. And I go, well, we're not working with you. So I turn down Fortune 200 companies because I'm not deviating from this formula because it works. And if I'm committed to the process more than they are, then it's not a good fit, right? But the first step is that we must do a deep, deep understanding of the customer or client market. So... I have a partnership with the largest data collection analytics and AI company in America. And in my database, I had 240 million American consumers, 550 million connected devices. We're tracking 10 billion online purchasing decisions every day and a trillion searches. And so I can overlay a customer list, a client list, or build modeled audiences out of that or lookalikes, or I can put a pixel on your website. And then I can track those people's movements online. And then I can spit out a 55, 65 page report, a beautiful, as Donald Trump would say, a beautiful report. But it's a beautiful report uh, about everything you've ever wanted to know about your customer. And why this is so important is that you should know everything about your customer client before you go sell to them or brand your business. Why would you create a brand in your company if you don't know what the customer or the client wants from that company? And you can say, oh, no, we know what they want. Do you? Do you know if they make purchases based on price, quality, or friction to transaction? Do you know what social media platforms they are? They, they go to in a chronological order? Do you know what they read specifically or watch specifically? Do you know their top three values in life? Because I can tell you every one of those things in our data report. And if you knew that, then you can find alignment as the business owner in your vision with where the customer, the client sits, right? And so I'm so like crazy about the step one that, you know, again, I turned down the businesses, but it's actually helped. We just finished this report. We do a lot for Fortune 200 companies, but we also do it for startups and small businesses. We, we're doing them for our Tony Robbins right now. We're doing one. We just finished one for Elon Musk's business partner. And people are so like Elon Musk's business partner said this. I didn't know data like this existed. Think about that statement for a second. Elon's business partner said, I didn't know that you could find out this much on your customer. And so that's how we start working with anybody because you got to get your customer right on the first. And then only then when you understand what they care about, can you make an alignment with your vision, which is our step two. 
Yeah. Well, what's, what's so interesting, I think about the challenge of life, which we talk about in the one thing, which is we wake up every day and there are all these things we could know. There are all these things we could have. And there are all these things we could do. The reason it's the challenge of life is you cannot know it all. You cannot have it all. And you cannot do it all. The point is we have to start making better choices. Better choices about what we want and how we go about getting it. And in a marketing sense, you cannot market to everyone. You cannot be all things to all people. So you can guess what those things might be, or you can leverage the data that says, no, this is who your audience is. This is what they care about. These are their problems. These are their values. These are the platforms that they are on so that you can build a campaign around that. So you just help people make better choices. Mm. Yeah, let me give you an example of what I mean. So we work with a Shark Tank company and they sell office chairs. And they came to us and they said, hey, um, we just got all this VC money. We've got to double our company. We need help in understanding our customer better. And I said, great. So we went in and did this data. It's what we call a customer insights report. We, we went into the customer insights report for them. And we found that the fourth best performing platform for all of their customers was Facebook. Yet they were spending 85% of their ad dollars on Facebook. And so what I told them was, I don't want you to not spend money on Facebook, but it doesn't need to be 85%, it needs to be 15%. And their answer to me was, but we hired a Facebook marketing agency to help us run Facebook ads. And I said, because they make money on running ads on Facebook, I don't make money on any platform. I make money by making you successful, by putting you in the right place. The, their allocation of budget shouldn't have been 85% to Facebook, it should have been 15%. Their number one social media platform, listen to this, it was Pinterest. Because what happened was women had gone into the workforce after COVID and they were working from home. And so they wanted a comfortable office chair. And they didn't realize it. They had never advertised on, on Pinterest, ever. And I said, you should be spending 38% of your budget on Pinterest. And then we allocated other spots that we found. And all of a sudden now, Jeff, we're playing Moneyball with their marketing dollars. We're following the data. We're following the analytics. We're not sitting around a table and telling the client, you know, we had a brainstorm session. We think you should do 85% on Facebook. Like that's insane to me. And that's where business owners get totally spun around and screwed up on the marketing world right now. Yeah, I love that. I love that. If there's somebody who's listening to this that knows they need to up their marketing game, what's a great lead domino for them? What's one thing they can do that would actually make everything else easier or unnecessary? That I offer or just in general? Both. Sure. So there's a lot of free and free ways that you can get data on your customers. You can do surveys. You can look at Google Analytics or Facebook Analytics to understand what's going on. And there's, you know, you're just going to have, you know, survey monkeys, all that kind of stuff. I, look, if you don't have any money, that that's the way you should go. You absolutely, you got to figure out a better way to get more data to understand your customer or client. The way we look at it for us is we offer a free data assessment. You can go to philipstutz.com slash insights, and then you get a 30-minute consultation with my team, and they'll tell you what your data would look like in our system, and you can figure out that's a good fit for you or not. We're expensive, right? It's between seventy-five hundred and ten dollars to run a report. But Fortune 200 companies are doing this, 
and they're spending hundreds of thousands. I just bought the licensing agreement so I can offer it at whatever price I want. And if the Fortune 200 companies are using this data to become billion dollar or multi-billion dollar companies, you as a business owner should be modeling what they do. That's clear to me. It doesn't mean you have to work with us, but you should be modeling their methods. And that's what we try to teach everybody in that regard. I love that. I love that. As you think about your journey, living the one thing, what's your focus for this year? Fast forward to the end of the year, how will you know if you are successful? Yeah, I'm in my holding company at the end of the year. Yeah, I'm still working. I, you know what I really do? I love working and helping clients on a macro scale, whether it's political or corporate, it doesn't matter. I love that. So I want to be in the holding company so I can be a free agent to help others. I don't want to be in the weeds of my businesses. I've done it now for eight years. It's, you know, we, we have a mutual friend, Tucker Max. Tucker fired himself as CEO of his previous company. And, you know, when he fired himself, I reached out to him and I'm like, that's me. Like, I, I'm, I'm not actually a great CEO. And I'm well aware of that. I am advocate for what I believe in. I'm a great practitioner in understanding like all the things that are happening and communicating out that into the world. And so, but you, you know, you put me in a HR meeting and I'd rather put a gun <laughs> in my head. And I have team members that love that stuff though. They love it. They love building all of the internal relationship. They love teaching every day. They like small incremental steps. I like massive steps, right? So I just need to get in my zone. So no, I committed in April when I met you. My commitment was give me, I need 18 months and I'm going to be in my holding company. And I got my partner and I told him, you've got 18 months to get into the holding company. And so we've been on this very... And you know, it's funny. You think 18 months is a long time. Well, it is for me. That's the way I look at it. It's not. Like we are now... Yeah, like we're, we're like... We're, we're, you know, what, eight months into this, but we found we, because, you know, we've been held accountable by you guys at the one thing and productive, like we're being held accountable by you guys, right? And we're paying you. So like, how stupid are we if we don't do what we say we're going to do? And then we pay you like, I'm not that dumb. So, <laughs> you know, like I, my business partner and I had an hour long call yesterday and we were going through all our homework that you laid out for us. And it's like, okay, well, we didn't do these three things, but we did 17 other things. And Jeff's going to be like, oh, wow, you guys have made a lot of progress. Now finish those things you told me you're going to do anyway. And we know that's coming. But I am I love that. I want that accountability. And, you know, Keith Cunningham, who's a mentor of mine, a friend of yours, and anybody out there that doesn't know who Keith is, Google him. He's amazing. But Keith Cunningham has this great, great saying. A players love accountability. They love accountability. They're the people that like sat on the front row of school and raised their hand and wanted to be called on all the time because they wanted to be held accountable. They love report card day. I was none of those things, but I love accountability in my, in my entrepreneurial journey. I love people holding me accountable. It, it, it is what makes me successful. And ultimately what I've gotten and what so helped us on getting us focused is we have that accountability now. And I'm really grateful for it. Love that. Love that. Well, Philip, where can people learn more about you? Yeah, you can go to philipstutz.com and you can find all my all my companies over there. And again, if, you, if you're interested in understanding how your customers or clients look, you can go to philipstutz.com slash insights. 
And other than that, I have a podcast called the Undefeated Marketing Podcast. I once had this guy named Jeff Woods on who was incredible. And you can you can pick you know if you want to know more about Jeff, come on listen to the to my podcast <laughs> when he was on uh, in the in the fall of 2021. And it was a great episode too. But we've also had uh, Peter Diamandis on. We've had Jay Abraham. We've had James Altucher. We have John Vroman, the CEO of Front Row Dads that brought Jeff and I together. He's coming on next. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. We talk about marketing and we give a lot of free marketing tips away to business owners that are looking to take advantage of the marketplace. Yep. Yep. And definitely pick up a copy of your book, Undefeated Marketing System. I did read it and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It made me think differently about how we do what we do. Thank you. Thanks for that. All right, my friend. Well, thanks for the time. Oh, I loved it. Thank you. Our conversation with Philip Stutz, author of The Undefeated Marketing System. Make sure you check out his site at philipstutz.com. That's S-T-U-T-T-S, philipstutz.com. What really stands out to me is just the when he talks about his goals, looking at it through the lens of, are you interested or are you committed? Makes a world of difference. I think we all know what it feels like to start the year with a list of goals, all these things that we think we want to achieve. Yet there are some that you naturally focus on and give more attention to. And there are others that you look and you go, yeah, I really want to achieve that. But you don't back it with action. If you could do one thing following this episode, here's an idea that you can consider. It's review your goals. And have an honest conversation with yourself about which are the ones that you're interested in and which are the ones that you are committed to. And give yourself the permission to narrow your focus. I personally know what it feels like to have a list of goals and to say, these all matter. I'm going to get them all done. And if you had 10 goals and you really achieve four of them, you can still feel like a failure because you look at the other six that maybe shouldn't have even been on the list to begin with and you let it steal from the joy and the progress that you've made. And what I have found personally in my own life, and we've found this with other organizations, is if we can have an honest conversation about what are the 20% goals that drive 80% of my fulfillment, 80% of my results, the ones that I'm really committed to. And if you narrowed your focus to those and took purposeful action every week, would have an extraordinary year. It starts by giving yourself permission to think big, by being the type of person who achieves anything you want to achieve and start by going small. Even if it's narrowing your focus to one goal, that if you achieve that, everything else would be easier or unnecessary. If you are really committed to that goal, it means that you will every week have a relationship with it. You'll be honest about if you're on track, if you're ahead of schedule, if you're behind schedule. And when you're behind schedule, you will change your activities to make up the gap. As we shared at the beginning of the episode, if you are a leader in an organization and want to learn what it looks like to make this part of your culture, so your team is clear on the most important goals and they break that down into simple actions they take every week, you can request a consultation at theonething.com. And if you would like to have an immersive experience as an individual with The One Thing, check out the Jumpstart Workshop or our Living Your One Thing training membership. 
If this episode has brought value to you, think of somebody you know who needs to hear it and share it with them. If you're new to the show, click the follow button. That way, all future episodes will automatically be downloaded to your device of choice. And please do consider leaving us a rating and review on your podcast player. It genuinely helps us reach more people and fulfill our purpose, which is to help you better invest your time so you can achieve extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. We look forward to being with you in the next episode.